Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Okay, maybe you're not a big Christmas shoes fan. I'm Paul, and this is Mornings Without Carmen here on Faith Radio on this Thursday, the 13th of uh, December. And yeah, we're getting through the Christmas season and Christmas music on a lot of radio stations. Uh, Some of our sister music stations are well on their way to playing a lot of Christmas music and hopefully... If you're able to listen to them, good, good, if you're looking for music. Okay, I know a lot of people, when they hear the Christmas shoe song, they kind of go, enough already. It, 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 it can be a little sappy. It's by the group New Song, which, okay, if you actually go to all of their Christmas albums, that's only one of the songs. That's a really good Christmas music. There's another song they did. Okay, some might say it's kind of in that similar sap, but it's a beautiful uh, story. It's called Light Your World, and the, the song talks about this woman— She's alone, and, you know, she sits there all alone, her husband dead and gone, best years of her life they spent together. He was always strong, and now she's on her own. And into this story, into the song, this young little, little boy comes over with some blue flowers, and, you know, I picked these just for you. I hope you like the color blue. I, I, you know, can I stay a while? I'd love to see you smile. Could I stay a while? I'd love to see you smile. Sometimes the people who need hope are right next door, or a few doors down. And they need to know the love of Jesus. We've been doing here at Faith Radio, like we did last year, Give Hope for Christmas. This year we have several of these $200 Visa gift cards we're giving out to those that you nominate um, for an opportunity to win one of these. Maybe you know that person next door who is, well, just needs that extra hope this year. Well, why don't you go to MyFaithRadio.com. You still have time to nominate that person to receive one of these Give Hope for Christmas $200 Visa gift cards. To help illustrate this, I had another call earlier this week with Wendy. Let's hear. Hello. Hi, is this Wendy? This is. Hi, Wendy. Uh, My name's Paul Perot. I'm with Faith Radio. Hello. Wendy, we want to thank you for going to our website, MyFaithRadio.com, and nominating someone to receive a $200 Visa gift card as part of our Give Hope for Christmas program. We, I know we have to be careful about this, but tell us about the person you nominated. So her name is Diane. She is um, somebody who lives just a few doors down from me. I don't know her that well. She does have some mobility issues, so she's not outside a lot. She um, has been living in her home since 2008, and I knew her husband had um, cancer. I did call her a few days ago and found out that he did die this past fall. Mm. They were married over 50 years, so it's it's very different in her home Mm. without her husband. 
Over the years, I have seen her allow family members to move into her house and raise her great-grandchildren. She is a, you know, somebody in her 70s who's raising great-grandchildren. It sounds like she's had a lot of turmoil in her life with family members coming, dropping off the great-grandkids, leaving. You know, and now she is raising great-grandchildren. Mm-hmm. I, I know she has mobility issues. She can walk, but she says she has bad feet, bad legs. Many years ago, she had open-heart surgery, and that's kind of what really took her health from her. Mm-hmm. And then with trying to raise great-grandchildren, you know, they're, they're young, they're grade school age. Many weeks ago, um, I noticed that the windows were broken in her home and that boards had been put up in her windows. I just surmised at what happened. And she did confirm that a family member broke the windows. She also told me that she and one of her great-grandchildren who was in grade school were home at the time. And now I found out that Because of some paperwork issues, she's lived in the house since 2008 with her husband. Now the mortgage company is saying she doesn't own the house. Mm. She says, I've never missed a payment on this house. I have lived here since 2008. So it just seems like this woman has not had peace in her life. It's always been some upheaval. I think she's lived with fear. She has pretty limited savings right now. What she had, she had to use it to buy wood to cover up her windows. And these windows will not be replaced until sometime in January. Mm. And I know that there is one great-grandchild still living with her. I think it's a permanent basis since I've lived in this neighborhood this Um, great-grandchild has always been with the owner Um, and I think that's giving her some sort of somebody in her life in that this great-grandchild has just kind of stepped up they're only eight years old but they've stepped up they cleaned up the yard Mm -hmm. helps great-grandma get down the stairs in the basement to do laundry Uh, So it's just the two of them now. And she says, I hope this is the piece that I need right now. I don't know if I could do it without this great-grandchild being with her. Well, Wendy, Hmm. I'm wondering if we can send you the Visa gift card so you can take it over to Diane. I think that would be a great idea. Okay, because that is what we'll be doing Thanks again for loving your neighbor so well. You know, it's these simple... Sorry, I'm getting kind of choked up. It's okay. It's what Jesus... You know, it's just a simple glass of water. It doesn't have to be the big things. You know, we're called to even just give a little something. If that means shoveling her out in the winter because she has nobody to do it for her, then that then that's what we are called to do, isn't it? Just the simple things can mean so much to somebody. 
Again, maybe you have a neighbor who just needs that extra, extra encouragement this Christmas. Go to MyFaithRadio.com and nominate them for one of the remaining Give Hope for Christmas Visa gift cards we'll be giving away. I'm Paul. This is Mornings with Carmen. And, okay, this morning I was looking at top news stories of 2023. And I'm kind of going, oh, (laughs) that happened this year? For example, the Norfolk Southern Trail Derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. That was... That was back on February 3rd. Remember February 4th? It was a, I think it was Saturday. Um, U.S. shoots down a, that Chinese spy balloon. Yeah, that was this year as well. And let's not forget what happened in Hawaii with the Lahaina fires that wiped out the city and 99 people died. <laughs> it's, it's been an amazing year. And, you know, people will continue breaking down news stories. They'll put them into categories, top sports stories. Ryan could go on about that. We're, we don't have time for that. Uh, Ryan Mitchell, who's producing and our sp- sports aficionado here. Top entertainment stories. Maybe we'll talk about that with Adam Holtz tomorrow. Or top theological stories. Now, every year since 2008, Colin Hansen of the Gospel Coalition has put out his list, his choice of the top theological stories of the year. We'll talk through some of the entries in the 2023 edition in just a few moments. I'm Paul. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Well, again, good morning. This is Mornings with Carmen for this Thursday. I'm Paul, and it's, you know, you've heard of, like, America's Top 40, Casey Kasem or Ryan Seacrest, depending on which edition, you know, counting them down. Well, I think there should be a Theological Top Stories with Colin Hansen. That'd be kind of cool, right, Colin? You've got a year to work on it, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea. <laughs> anyway, Colin Hansen, who is the uh, vice president of uh, content and uh, also editor-in-chief for the Gospel Coalition, which is a website I frequent quite a bit. A lot of good insights there. And you've got, great, uh, you got a great team there, Colin, at the Gospel Coalition. Yeah, we do. We're very, very blessed working with a lot of great folks. And, and uh, we need the help because, as you can see, with the top theological stories this year, it was a it was a zany year in a lot of ways. <laughs> Tough year, but God was also at work. Yes, he was. Now, let's back up. Now, you've been doing these uh, top 10 lists for the last, uh, boy, what's 2008 you started, right? Yeah, 15 years or so, yeah. back when I was at Christianity Today magazine and continuing on through my whole tenure at uh, the Gospel Coalition. Oh, well, as we look at the list, I, I don't think we'll have time to hit all 10 <clears throat> of them. Uh, among the issues there... Um, uh, number nine on your list was pro-life movement regroups after electoral setbacks. Now, again, when you look at these, it's not just news for news sake. You're looking right. at this from the – you're putting on a theological lens and trying to find the scriptural and biblical significance. So talk about Yeah, that's exactly right. So when – yeah, so when it comes to the pro-life movement, we can look at the electoral results, especially that came in the fall, and they were not great in a lot of different ways. But the bigger question is younger generations don't seem to really understand the essence, what it means to be pro-life. That's, a, that's an issue, a theological issue of the Imago Dei, something that is revealed to all people, that God is our creator, and that he creates us in our image. That's a view, of course, that we see right there near the beginning of Genesis. And so that's the theological challenge for us as Christians to be able to help everybody to see that. And the electoral victories, that's what follows. But Electoral losses are showing us that not nearly as many people as we need to are seeing that truth from Scripture. 
So we really, this is one of those calls on your part, I think, by po- highlighting this. We need to be more more intentional about communicating the Imago Day. Yeah, I think especially with the younger generations, the statistics there are are not very great. And, and I think in a lot of ways, we've been so politically focused on overturning Roe that once over, Roe was overturned, thought, oh, wow, okay, now we've really done something here, praise God. Well, that's true. I, I mentioned in there there were tens of thousands fewer abortions this year in these states where they've passed laws banning abortions. But at the same time, you can see that the general public sentiment is not with us, especially younger generations. That's, I think, where our attention needs to turn. Okay, number eight on your list, and I, I'm, I was surprised you put this at number eight. The death of Tim Keller back on May 19th. Now, the reason I was surprised because Tim Keller was more than just a, a theological figure to you. He, um, he's, he was a friend. He was a mentor. Yeah. He was, you know, he helped found the Gospel Coalition. So, but still, what an impact he had on, on people's lives. Just amazing. And, and I think there are a few instances where a major evangelical figure will pass, and probably the only one that we've seen on that scale in our lifetimes in recent memory has been Billy Graham. Uh, Christian and Today did commemorative issues for both of those men, and I contribute to, contributed to both of those. And they were similar in a lot of different ways in terms of their global reach and their faithfulness, their humility, but they were so different. Um, and one of the, But one of the ways they were similar is that their character shown even very clearly with non-Christians, and even clearly at the highest levels of influence in the world. And that's where the response to Tim Keller's death was really, really stood out, was just how many different people across the spectrum, politically, across the spectrum with, with the church, and, and even in mainstream media, just testified to his character. I Briefly, I spoke at Bucknell University this fall, which is where his alma mater. Oh, and we right. did an event with Mako Fujimura, who was also uh, you know, a good friend of, of Tim's. He's on the board there. The president was there. The board was there. We spent 90 minutes just testifying to the work of Jesus Christ and his grace evident in Tim's life because he'd actually converted at Bucknell as well. That's, right. That's the kind of doors that God opened through Tim's life, even after his death. It's amazing to me because looking at his life— he he never really strived, from what I could tell, yeah. to be a big influencer. He was just trying to be faithful, and he, he was kept faithful in the little things that just kept growing and growing. And again, he wasn't seeking to be, I guess the modern term is influencer, but man, the lives he's influenced. Yeah. Well, and I think part of it, Paul, is simply personality. You know, I mentioned Billy Graham earlier. Billy Graham could have been president, could have been a senator, could have been a movie star, a very charismatic figure. Mm-hmm. Tim was not. <laughs> it's just not his personality. He would describe himself more of like that high school nerd. You know, he was the marching band guy, the trumpet player, all that kind of stuff. And so he didn't take naturally to that. He was a deeply, deeply thoughtful person. Mm-hmm. And I think that spirituality and that thoughtfulness is what comes through in his books and in his sermons. And I think will continue to for. I pray decades to come. Uh, again, this, you have a top 10 list. I don't know if we're going to get through much of it. We'll, we'll do what we can. We'll do what we can. But uh, again, I'm Paul. This is Colin Hansen with me from the Gospel Coalition looking at the top 10 theological news stories of 2023. When we continue, I think next, I, I want to look at 
high-profile atheists becoming Christians? Because that has happened quite a bit. A lot of news items around that this year. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. You've heard it said that it only takes a spark to get a fire going. You've also heard it sung, Let There Be Peace on Earth and Let It Begin With Me. Well, what about hope? What about hope? What does it take to get hope sparked? And what does it take to get hope moving around the world? I got a hope hat. I got a hope shirt. I got a hope bumper sticker. I know a ministry of hope. I know people who need hope. But how do we actually give hope beyond bumper stickers and theme songs and ball caps? How do we help other people discover the hope that is real, substantial, and enduring? My guess is one reason you listen to this podcast is, well, it delivers hope. So as you're thinking about giving gifts this Christmas, have you considered giving others the gift of hope? You can give hope this season by supporting Faith Radio's Give Hope for Christmas campaign by sharing your story of hope at MyFaithRadio.com because hope begets hope. Pass it on. Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul, hosting today and tomorrow. She'll be back in on Monday with the new year coming. I We, again, urge you, be in God's Word deeply. That's why, if you go to MyFaithRadio.com, we have not one, but several different reading guides, reading plans for getting through the Scripture in a year. We want God's Word in you so you can bring it to your world and into your life, into your family's life. Again, get in God's Word in 2024. Bible in Year reading plans, you can find several at MyFaithRadio.com. Let's continue our conversation with Colin Hansen as we look at the theological top stories of 2023. I'm sticking on that, uh, Colin. you got to do this every year. I thought that's that's pretty good. It's actually getting better every time you do it, Paul. So just keep doing it. Well, maybe I can... Keep reaching... Keep reaching for the stars. Yeah, but I got to keep my feet on the ground here. Uh, you, now, <laughs> if we do this, you got to find a good catchphrase at the end, like Casey Kasem used to do. There we go. We'll keep working until we see, keep looking until we see God working. That's okay, what we'll do. We'll That'll do that. Our one. catchphrase. Okay. Okay, All that's right. the catchphrase. Well, <laughs> let's look at number six on your uh, your list of your top ten theological stories and high profile atheists becoming Christians, including one just last month that kind of blew people away. Yeah, I and Hersey Lee, that's definitely the big headline there. You're talking here about someone whose background, of course, is Muslim um, and major, major spokeswoman of the new atheism of that sort of post 9-11 period, the mid 2000s. One of the main people helping with those four horsemen of the new atheism, supporting them, talking about how religion poisons everything. She writes this year, hey, I'm now a Christian. And the interesting focus that she gave, which I think kind of carries through a lot of the other interests in spirituality, is her recognition that this thing we call Western civilization has been created by Christianity. But as the West turns away from Christianity, we seem to be losing our grasp on those things that made the civilization what we all enjoy. And so she recognized, well, wow. You really can't have the good things, the fruit of the civilization, without the root of Christianity. Mm-hmm. So she went back and investigated the roots. So that's her story. There were a couple others as well, but that's the big theological angle on a really major story this year. It was. Uh, Kat Von Z, the uh, artist, yeah. was one. And then I, I think I remember an interview you had with Molly Worthen. Yeah. yeah, that's right. A professor of American evangelical history at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, really um, had announced she had been baptized at J.D. Greer's church in North Carolina, 
Uh, Tim Keller had helped to helped her to investigate the claims of Christ, talked through a lot of apologetic issues with her. Her story is just so fascinating. She'd spent decades studying evangelicals before finally J.D. Greer, when she's interviewing him one day, he just says, you know, she says something like, I wish I had the faith that you guys had. And J.D. says, well, you can, and then start to talk her through that. But <laughs> yeah, just a I mean, kind of story you just do not see very often. And I think recognition of a broader trend, especially of these high profile women finding the, the claims of Christ to be spiritually and existentially compelling and just really a positive news story from this year. That an amazing story. And there's been other people talking about that. There's some uh, writers and apologists over in England talking about these. I, right. we, we actually have talked about a few of these. Anyway, next on the list, this one is huge too. Number five, dechurching trends defy expectations. Yeah. So I think we kind of all knew going into 2023 that there had been a major decline in the church. 2023, especially with the book by my colleagues, um, Michael Graham and Jim Davis, The Great Dechurching, we realized 40 million Americans have left the church in the last 25 to 30 years. It's the largest, most rapid change in religion in American history. Well, there's a lot of things you could point to, and I bet everybody listening now can say, oh, I bet it's because of liberal theology. I bet it's because of politics. I bet it's because of abuse in the church. To a certain extent, all of those things are true. But what defied expectations this year is that the main reasons people give for leaving the church are actually mundane. There are reasons like, I moved. And actually, most of these people say, I would come back to church if somebody invited me. So just because these 40 million Americans have left doesn't mean they're unwilling to come back. That's mm -hmm. what defies the expectations. They're not a bunch of hardened atheists. Like, you know, you were just, we were just talking about right there, the kind of people that Justin Brierley writes about in his book and in his podcast and things like that. Now they're really just normal people, your neighbors, and they might have moved, something might have changed in their lives, they might have had a divorce or something like that. They've just kind of fallen out of the habit of church. They don't know much about it. They don't go very often. Just an invitation and you walking them through it could be decisive in their lives. That was the big big angle that I that I saw in this trend mm, this yeah. year. Well, again, Colin Hansen's my guest right now here on Mornings with Carmen and looking through the top theological stories, top 10 theological stories of 2023. Okay, we only have like about five more minutes here. And actually, <laughs> not even that. Let me just go through the top, the rest of the top five. Number four, Gen yeah. Z shows signs of spiritual revival. Number three, activists seek to change theology of sexuality from within Christian communities. Number two, chat GPT, which has only been out since yeah. November 20th of last year, but thrills yeah. and frightens tech futurists. And then number one, Hamas attacks on Israel's uh, Israeli military and civilians receives unexpected support. Okay, which which one of those do you want to grab onto? Because they're all worthy of a significant conversation. Well, we might as well just start with one, and we'll see where we go from there. Okay. You know, I think it's last year, of course, was Ukraine, and no surprise there. This year, no surprise that it would be Hamas's attack. You know, when you're having back-to-back -back years talking about the first thing since 1945, that's bad. Last year, first land war in Europe since 1945. This year, largest massacre of Jews since 1945. It's, it's bad. You know, the theological angle here, of course, is that Christians have widely differing views on God's purposes of that land. 
And as you've heard in a lot of the controversies of response and support from Hamas, you see it in the in the mottos and the slogans that people chant, you know, from the from the sea to the river, you know, Palestine will be free, things like that. The river to the sea, Palestine will be free, that kind of stuff. Those are references to that land, of course. And so we did a forum at the Gospel Coalition. Others have just discussed what is God's ongoing purpose with that land. But I think, Paul, the bigger question actually relates to that support for Hamas. And I think mm-hmm. people have been surprised saying, I don't really understand what is it about this brutal murder of innocent men, women, and children that would actually get that kind of support. But it's really because strange identity mixture that you find in a lot of schools where oppression is seen as paramount and any kind of oppression is linked to one another. Thus, people who in the United States feel oppressed for, say, some sexual reason would unite with people in Palestine who might feel oppressed for some political reason. And that oppression becomes then a, uh, an alibi for them to be able to advocate violent means of overturning what they believe to be oppression. But I think the key here is that we're seeing way more people, even on the left wing, denounce that view than we have seen in the last decade as this view has taken on a lot more prominence. So it's a little bit of a complicated story, especially, you know, here on early on, early in the workday, early in the morning to talk about, but it is a, it has major, major consequences for how, you know, how we think about these big ideas. And that's why it rose to number one for me this year. Yeah. And it's one of those, again, I, I was, I forgot who we were talking about yesterday, but I heard a speech where a guy basically said, sometimes these mid-range theories, and you're talking about the critical theory type yeah, reasoning, right. these mid-range theories that can explain some things right, are misused to explain all things. And that causes problems. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. And so there's a book that I'd mentioned called The Identity Trap. It's lit, written by a left-wing Jewish man, and he's criticizing those views. And he shows you how the views of intersectionality, critical race theory, they start with sort of having a basic insight that is difficult to argue against. Intersectionality, for example, is simply that being black is one difficulty, being a woman is another difficulty. You combine them, that's a new difficulty. That's not complicated for people to understand. You can see that. But then all of a sudden it becomes, well, because I'm concerned about homosexuality in the United States, therefore I'm in favor of the Palestinian cause in Israel. Well, wait a minute. How are those two things supposed to be linked together? Well, intersectionality, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I think Hamas really ripped the mask off a lot of that. And it's become, look, what what everybody's been seeing in the news about these university presidents that is what I'm talking about. That mm-hmm. is the situation that led to that and why there's such a backlash. Okay. Well, I want to point people to the gospelcoalition.org and find uh, Colin Hansen's top 10 theological news stories of 2023. Colin, thank you for, again, continuing to do this. And it, it, is, it is good food for thought. It, it, it's helpful to think back over the year as we get ready to go into a new year, because we it, help, it helps to know where God has been, what has happened, as we prepare to see where God takes us. So again, Colin, thank hey. you so much. Amen. Thanks, Paul. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you. Well, this is Mornings with Carmen, and yeah, people, again, breaking down the news stories like they do, or actually, think about it, the People's Choice Award nominees are on Golden Globes celebrating various actors and musicians and their accomplishments. Then... We get other lists, lists that are not as celebratory 
like those nations and those entities that persecute our Christian brothers and sisters and others. We talked with Jeff King before. He's the president of International Christian Concern, and he's going to join us again as we look back on 2023 and think about the top persecutors of the year. Again, I'm Paul. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Well, again, I'm Paul. Thank you for joining me as I fill in for Carmen this week on uh, Mornings with Carmen. Well, we just talked to Colin Hansen looking at the top theological stories. And, you know, sometimes you read those and go, okay, they're important. They resonate with us. But in some ways, they're kind of like first world problems. What about the top 10 lists or the top list for those of our brothers and sisters who are not in the first world? They're in the third world or other parts of the world where they're facing persecution because of their faith. Joining me now is Jeff King. He's the president of International Christian Concern. Jeff, thank you for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. Paul, it's a pleasure to be with you. It is. And every year you guys put out a list of the top persecutors of the year. Again, I'm looking at our brothers and sisters overseas when they'd love to have our problems. <laughs> That's a great way to say it, Paul. I, I appreciate that comment. Yeah, uh, you know, because... I always say to the Christians in the West, you know, we're starting to see persecution. It's the early stages. There's a whole bunch of propaganda that, you know, the populace has been softened up with, if you get that term. Um, And it causes people to hate. It causes division and causes hatred and it dehumanizes. But that's all, you know, what we're seeing is some name calling and hatred and job discrimination. But yeah, when we're dealing with serious persecution, you got to look overseas uh, and that's where the body of Christ uh, will be beaten, the church is destroyed, uh, you know, arrested, tortured, murdered, just the whole spectrum. It's it's really the worst of humanity on display in terms of the persecutors. Yeah. And now you put out your annual list, the top persecutors of the year. And it's amazing because a lot of the, there's a lot of other lists like this. Open Doors has something. And a lot of mm-hmm. times it focuses on the countries. Not that you don't do that, but you dig deeper than that. And look at some of the various groups and movements and individuals who are doing it too. But let's start with the countries because looking at it, we, we hear about things like Iran or China because, you know, we do a lot of interacting as, as a nation of the U.S. with China and such. The top ones on your list are not ones we often think about as Americans like Nigeria. But you have that at tip top of your list as far as countries. Tell us about that. All we do, uh, and first of all, thank you for the comments, because there, there's a heck of a lot of work that goes into this thing. Uh, but we're trying to create a resource for you know people like you guys and people on Capitol Hill, um, because it's a complex subject. But with Nigeria, you know, so few Christians understand this. Everyone thinks, oh, North Korea, right? An absolutely horrible place. It's hell on earth. But in Nigeria, for the last 20 years, uh, Muslim terrorists have killed probably about a hundred thousand mm. christians now that's and that's just the ones killed then how many maimed uh but here's the even bigger eye-popping number three and a half million christian farmers have been pushed off their land it's a massive massive kind of cloaked jihad it's a slow-moving genocide and so you know nigeria comes to washington year after year and and paul here's here's the conversation gosh this is this is such a tough thing we're dealing with. These are 
this is some kind of tit for tat war between Christians and Muslims. And, and, you know, these the fighters are out in the bush and we can't find them and blah, blah, blah. And, and Washington typically has said, Oh my gosh. And, and then always it's Paul, here's what's happened. Hey, gosh, if you could send us more money uh, for arms, we could probably go after these guys. Um, you know, and that doesn't cut it. Imagine in, in the States in the last 20 years where, uh, let's say on scale, you know, 400,000 Christians had been murdered on farms, you know, out in middle America. And the government kept saying, gosh, it's so hard to find these guys. We can't find where these killers are. It, you know, it's that's where it's like, wake up. What's going on is that the radical Islamists are in the government. They're in the army. Uh, they're in the police. Uh, they're just all the way saturated. And so there's a game going on that they're allowed to continue. That's mm. the simple, that's the simple truth of it. Yeah, we don't see that. And again, thanks for bringing that to our attention. Okay. Also on the list, when it comes to countries, number two and three, North Korea, which you had just referred to. And yeah. then also a lot of people don't think about this India. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, if we have time, you mentioned Iran. If we have time, I'd love to just talk about Iran too. Okay. But let's talk about North Korea. So I, uh, you know, if people are familiar with persecution, they they understand the broad strokes of what's going on. Um, you know, you've got here's here's a little backstory to what's going on in North Korea. So first of all, hardly anybody knows there was a massive, massive breakout of Christianity, massive revival. Uh, of Christianity in Korea. Really? So at the time, there was only Korea. There wasn't a North and South. That mm-hmm. happened in World War II. Um, so there was a, there was a long 100, 200-year uh, history of missionaries going in. The Lord is sending in missionaries that are Catholic and evangelical, and they're getting killed. Massive Catholic persecutions. Uh, and then around the 1900s, a massive revival now, so many Christians came to Christ. This was known as the Jerusalem of the of the East. Mm. That's what they called Korea. Uh, and so then you think about, you know, you always hear that we're, we're in a war spiritually. So Satan notices and he attacks. And the Japanese came in and they conquered Korea. Uh, and the whole thing was the Japanese had an emperor who was God. So they had to, they persecuted Christians. And then the Kim dynasty started after World War II. So all of these crushing blows to the church, one after the other. So if the Japanese were bad, they had nothing on, you know, the, the, the dynasty that came in. The Kims were brutal. These were Marxists. These were communists. And they massacred probably, if we look back at all the Christians they've killed, it's probably near a million. And this is where Christians are thrown into concentration camps. And not just one. If you're, if you're a real Christian... They find out who you really are. They're going to put your parents in prison. They're going to put your kids in prison. And and usually the, the most uh, dangerous one is killed, but all of you go into concentration camps and you don't come out. It's a one-way door. Mm-hmm. So, and here's what, here is kind of how I sum up uh, North Korea personally. You know, I've done, I've done so many interviews with defectors. And I remember one man telling me, Sitting across from a table, I was I was talking to him, and he didn't know the Lord, and he was a uh, he was a defector who was a fairly high up uh, believer in the system, and then the system turned on him. And he said, to this day, what they did to him, he said it was so horrible and terrifying. He says to this day, when he goes to sleep every night, 
he has to have loud music in headphones blaring into his ears mm. to keep the demons at bay. So what's going on there is a little bit beyond understanding in terms of normal life, but it's just, it's just Satan at work and it's his little kingdom, but it will fall. That's the only thing I want to remind people of. It will fall. God's bride is in there mm. and he'll get her back. I love that angle that, uh, that you're bringing about here because oftentimes we look at these lists and we just kind of sit back and go, okay, what can yes. I do? And, and mm. we, we don't, we don't remember God has a bigger plan in all this. His kingdom mm. is coming. And therefore, we the Lord's Prayer has it right in there. Lord, your kingdom come. Yes. And we should be praying that. And we, we should look at North Korea. We should look at India and all these other entity, you know, countries and then the various entities you have in there. And just pray, hey, your kingdom come. And, I mean, on your list of individuals, you we're just talking Korea, North Korea, Kim Jong-un. Are we praying for him to feel the power of the gospel? Are we doing that? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And even your bigger point, Paul, you know, it took me so many years. And, and you think about, I've done this for 20 some years. And so uh, this, this isn't about me when I say this, but just think about in my position, how many reports of the decimation of believers, the decimation of the church the destruction, the horror, you're just seeing Satan everywhere attacking. And, you know, for me, I really struggled. I look in scriptures, I say, I know the church is victorious in the end, mm-hmm. but oh my gosh, how do we get there? And then it took a long time. And then I began to see, and Paul, I say the simple answer is this, look back in church history and anything we're facing, even when believers are frightened in, you know, in the United States, Anything we're facing, it's all happened before. There's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. Church has always had a gun to its head. It's always had a knife to its throat. And it can't be stopped. And that's not because we're amazing. You know, you and I and the rest <laughs> of us, we're just plodding along when somehow God uses us, little old us. That's the church. But the, the power of the church is his Holy Spirit. And it's a heaven-sent thing. You know, the Lord sent down the Holy Spirit. And that was D-Day. That was mm-hmm. Pentecost. And that was the Holy Spirit. And that is what is reforming. The river of God is going out and, and filling the earth. And Satan is enraged and he's attacking. But nothing, nothing new under the sun in, in terms of what we're seeing. So people should be encouraged. Okay. Jeff King is our guest right now here on Mornings with Carmen. Jeff is president of the International Christian Concern. We can continue talking through... I don't know if we're going to get to much else, uh, Jeff. We'll see what we can do. But because these entries on your... Uh, top persecutors of the year list are are worthy of being talked about and then calling us to prayer too. But we'll continue our conversation in just a moment here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at myfaithradio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, this is a community of believers, and we gather together here, and we all need prayer. And well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com, and then be assured of our prayers for you in the Spirit of Christ. Check it all out at myfaithradio.com. 
So are you praying for our brothers and sisters overseas, but also praying, God, your kingdom come and let it be felt in their lives. Hey, I'm Paul filling in for Carmen again this week here on Faith Radio. And and Jeff King of International Christian Concerners, our guest, going through some of the top persecutors of the year. Not a not a very nice list to go through as we reflect back on 2023, Jeff, but I think very important. And, okay, I'm remembering something your good friend, our good friend, uh, Karen Ellis, will often say. You know, they persevered. She And, and you are in that same boat where you're looking at the perseverance of of not the saints as in some theological concept, but actually seeing them persevere under great difficulty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I'm, go ahead, Paul. Did you, did you have another part of that? Well, no, no. I was, I was just thinking because we were, time is limited. We wanted yeah. to talk about India. Yes. That sounds great. Yeah. And <laughs> that is a great point with the perseverance of the saints in India. You know, in India, heart, most Christians don't know uh, India is led by a gentleman, Prime Minister Modi. He is a radical Hindu. His uh, political party, the BJP, these are radical Hindus. These are Brahmins. If you think of the hierarchical system of Hinduism, they sit at the very top of the heap. And the masses, the the untouchables, to use an old term, are, are coming to Christ. And they know this, and it really upsets the order. And they are absolutely intent on strangling Christianity. Now, here's the trick, though. Modi is a very smart politician, and he's a world politician, so he keeps his mouth shut. You won't hear him say anything direct about Christianity. His job is to say nothing. Attack after attack after attack, he says nothing. And his leaders in the political party and the state you know, leaders, they will spew all kinds of anti-Christian hatred and urge their followers to attack Christians really, really nasty stuff. It's really surprising when you read the language. Um, but so they are intent on, and they're working a number of strategies to strangle the church. Uh, it's not going to work and it's going to, it's going to create more Christians. He doesn't get it yet because he's <laughs> like most dictators, but that's kind of the quick story in India. Okay. And then actually one of the big people in India, you have it on your individuals. You're going to have to help me with the pronunciation, Yogi, uh, Oh, man, don't catch me this early in the morning trying to do that. (laughs) It's a BJP leader, and he's uh, the leader of uh, one of the biggest states, maybe even the biggest. But he's one of those gentlemen I mentioned. So he's a state leader in the BJP. So, uh, you know, he's like a Republican or a Democrat leader, but the leader of a state, you know, in terms of the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so he's out there spewing hatred and and urging, you know, basically his followers uh, and winking at him, saying, basically, nothing's going to happen. You can attack the Christians. And so that's what happens. So the followers go out and they interrupt church service. They go in and beat followers. They beat the pastor. I can show you these videos. You'd be amazed. And they're just, mm. the Christians are getting smacked and beaten, beaten with sticks, literally broken. Uh, and then the police come in and, and Paul, I'm going to give you one guess who gets arrested typically. Yeah. The ones being beaten, the Christians. Strange, isn't it? Amazing yeah. how it works. It's amazing how that works. It doesn't seem like justice to me, um, but that's kind of that's kind of the thumbnail sketch of India. <sighs> okay, we, let's start moving to the Middle East because I know our focus has been a lot on that yeah. in the recent weeks since uh, the early part of October. And okay, we think about Hamas, and then there's Hezbollah, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. oftentimes are at the behest. They work as extensions of Iran, which is another one of the countries mm-hmm. on your top list. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Yeah. Um, 
I'm trying to think which angle to take because I, I always want to talk about Iran. It's such a fascinating story. Um, so, but in, in the Middle East, I think what's forgotten is that there's still Christians left in yes. Gaza. And there's about 800 Christians left in Gaza and they're suffering like everybody else. And, and when we talk about things, when we talk about this situation, you know, I, I just usually say everybody's hair is on fire politically. You can't, there's no more discourse anymore. There's no more polite conversation. Mm-hmm. So anything I say is not a, it's not a political statement. I look at these things through spiritual eyes and, and I see this intractable situation between Hamas and Israel and, and, um, you know, I don't, I get both of their perspectives. Um, and yet, you know, what we are forgetting is those believers that are on the ground and of course they're suffering, you know, it's like, and suffering at a terrible degree. And so again, no political statement, but they're, they're crying out. And you think about what happens when you go through deep, deep suffering. There's a couple things, but you know, right now they're crying out and they're wondering, you know, some of them are wondering, where's the Lord in all this? You know, and that's what happens when we go into deep suffering. It's just a painful uh, thing. Uh, and the Lord, actually, I write about it a lot. The Lord has a process and all this and what he's trying to do. But in the meantime, we just need to pray for these guys and, and wrap our arms around them in love and say, we, we are here. We hear you. We love you. We know your pain. That's a tremendous encouragement for them. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we, have, we have about a minute left, Jeff, and I, sure. I want you to... This was just recently posted on persecution.org, which, by the way, if you're wondering how to get this report we've been talking about, go to persecution.org and you can download the report from there. But there's also the story, since we're looking at the Middle East, it's a story called A Mother's Faith, a story about Sarah. Can you? Sh- we have about a minute. Can you share that story? Yeah, well, Sarah is one of those believers in the Middle East, and I think she, I'm trying to think if she has lost some of her children um, and I, you know what, honestly, I better not try too hard. I think I'm going to mess it up. So I think I gave the broad strokes on, on Gaza, mm-hmm. um, and what's going on with the believers there, but I know her, her heart is breaking and she's, she, for me really expresses that grief of the Christian that is in this situation. Uh, and just is for me, is just a reminder to pray for these brothers and sisters. Definitely, definitely. Well, Jeff, thanks again for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. I do want to point people to your book as well, not only persecution.org, but you have a book out called Islam Uncensored, 14 Leaders, Liberal, Conservatives, Muslim, Jews, Atheists, Christians, and a former CIA director reveal what the government and media won't tell you about Islam, and that's an eye-opening read, so... I don't know if that's a good Christmas read, you know, since you have time <laughs> off. But uh, if you're interested in it, there you go. Um, I'm, I, you have a link at your website at Christian uh, at. Uh, do you have a link on your website about that book? You know uh, what? Uh, there's actually another one. Last words, the martyrs. But actually, if people just email me, you can email me at Jeff at persecution dot org if you'd like a free copy of Last Words of the Martyrs, and I've got a new devotional that's coming out in just about two months. Okay. That sounds good. Thanks a lot, Jeff, and you have a Merry Christmas. Bless you, brother. Jeff King, again, from International Christian Concern. You can follow them at persecution.org, and they're also on the socials. And, yeah, get on their newsletter as well. Well, again, I'm Paul. Thank you for listening to Mornings with Carmen. As we wrap up this hour, I started off talking about the song from New Song, the Christmas song, Christmas Shoes. Now, not a big fan, but maybe you are. You just can't get enough of it. Have we got... Well, not quite an app for you, but there is something called the Eternal Jukebox. When your favorite song just isn't long enough, 
the website app lets you search a song on Spotify, then it will generate a never-ending and ever-changing version of the song you just so much love. Okay, I don't know if that's... I, I already have a problem of getting certain songs out of my head. This would make it that much worse. Well, as we wrap up today, again, remember all the podcasts of Mornings with Carmen are available at MyFaithRadio.com, as well as on the Faith Radio app. And then also, you can find them on the various podcast platforms. I mentioned Spotify. You can find it there. And if you do listen to us on one of the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify or such, hey, will you rate us? Will you rate us? Let us know what you think about mornings with Carmen. Well, again, may, the God establish, may God establish the work of your hands today for his kingdom and for his glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.